Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club. Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea. Hey now. And running the boards is Joey Dees. Hi. Hey, we're all full force. Yeah. Yeah, baby. On today's show, we will talk about how theaters are dealing with the global pandemic with Gareth Von Kallenbach. We'll get some TV and new, uh, movie reviews. Yeah, that's it. Or mostly just TV reviews. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search for BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, radio.com, and iTunes. Yeah, and however which way you get a hold of us and listen to us, give us a five-star review and give us some words. Bribery. Yeah, because we'll send you a comic book once we can send mail out our, our people who send out mail oh, are right. staying at home. But yeah, yeah, we'll build up a list. We'll get some signatures on a nice little placard so you can keep your comic book fresh and clean and i promise we'll check that list twice yes we absolutely will so uh give us a five-star review give us some uh reviews just some words uh on the texts as you can on that and let us know that you've done that and then uh we'll send you some fun stuff you can send me an email bjgeeknation at gmail.com to do all that and during this time i mean it's you know we're doing our best to remind you of the big three you know stay home stay healthy and stay connected and we know that sometimes you hear a friendly voice it's it's so helpful because look everyone's stressed out everyone's going to tell you you can't help but be stressed out it's just even if you're the most calm person in the world having friendly people like us and vicky uh (laughs) vicky's friendly and this was why even like when we weren't in the studio i was putting putting out some stuff i had a chance to talk with gary for a little bit talked with neil bailey which congratulations to him on his successful kickstarter he's so awesome still some stress uh stress some stretch goals on with that um so check that out you can go back to that episode my kickstarter will only have stress goals just stress goals yeah um let's talk television actually no we're we're going to talk movies because oh. I got Gareth Von Kallenbach on the line. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net. And talking about all of this, you know, worldwide pandemic, uh, COVID-19 news, cinemas are being hit very hard. And it is, what's happening isn't really that quite popular with, uh, well, with the cinemas of what is being proposed. Correct. And see... It's kind of a rough situation from a business standpoint in that you could see both sides. You have films like Onward that didn't make the box office they'd hoped. And then you had things like, um, you know, the recent releases before they shut down the theater. Nobody was going. So you've got Hollywood sitting here saying, boy, we've invested millions making these things, millions more promoting them. Um, You know, people need entertainment, but we can't be losing money like this. So the theaters shut down, and then this created chaos because, as you know, they've been playing musical chairs with the release dates, mm-hmm. uh, scrubbing all the release dates or postponing them. We just got word the other day that Wonder Woman 1984 got pushed from June until August. There yeah. were rumors that it was going to go straight to screening. Um, a lot of things like A Quiet Place 2, they basically just said, 
we'll let you know. Same thing with Mulan, um, you know, on and on and on. Well, here's where the problem has come in. Um, Universal has been a little proactive, and they basically said, hey, you know what? The Invisible Man, The Hunt, those are all available on demand. It's about uh, 20 bucks, and you get to have it for 48 hours. Where the real problem has come is they said, oh, by the way, this Trolls World Tour that's coming in April, for any theater that's still open and wants to run it, they'll get it, but it's going to be available on demand the same day. Ooh. And this is where it's all coming to a head. Because traditionally, um, there's kind of an, some say it's unwritten, some say it's implied, some say it's written, but there has generally been a rule of thumb that three to six months from when a film starts its theatrical run until it's made available for home video and streaming. I mean, there are obviously cases like where a film tanks and it's out of theaters in a couple of weeks and the studio says, see, at that point, they don't care. There's no money being made. Totally. And this is where it gets to be a huge issue because apparently one of the major theater chains who are all essentially putting their hand out now saying we need bailout money or we're not going to be able to get by has essentially called out Universal and said, we are not going to forget this. Ooh, and I mean, and that's the big thing. It's it's one of those, like, having cinema and ha- being able to go to the theaters, I understand that it's not viable right now, but I, I, I guess that they're just afraid that this is going to be, like, the new normal now after uh, we move, for, uh, move beyond all of this, and I guess that is super scary. It is, and see, and this is the thing, if you... Look at the whole history. I've had people telling me, oh, well, this is idiotic because streaming is the wave of the future. Streaming is more money and blah, blah, blah. And I don't necessarily agree with that because you have to kind of look beyond the surface. Yes, globally, streaming revenues are greater than the theatrical ones. But you're not counting individual movies. You are counting what people pay for the whole service. Mm, You know, it's real easy to say people are paying $20 a month for, uh, you know, Netflix and this doesn't mean that that is the same $20 that is, is going directly to a, a theater. Cause you know, as you know, they're paying for this, the studios are paying all the different rates uh, or getting paid different rates for their shows. And so it gets very uh, interesting. And here's like something somebody told me uh, a while back, this was posted at CinemaCon uh, last year and it said, one of the things, and this is kind of how CinemaCon came really extra into the forefront, was that it was a reassurance from the studios to the theaters that you are not being forgotten. You are still an extremely important part of what happens. Well, naturally, there's always a concern about the growing rise of streaming, just like there was the concern about the rise of videotapes, DVDs, that yep. sort of thing. And then, of course, it was, well, you don't need to worry. They're going to be available to you for months before they're made available over here. And so one of the studio takeaways is that, you know, using Netflix as an example, they believe that it would have minimal impact on the box office because their take was the vast supply of content available for streaming. There's what is ideal for theatrical release, and then there's ideal for streaming. And so their take is, When you have an event movie like Star Wars, like the Avengers, these things are better suited to be seen in the theater as a group communal experience. Um, You know, I always bring the point up about comedy and horror films. 
to me, they don't work as well at home because you don't get the reaction from the audience, which yeah. is half the experience. Seeing shared horror movies is definitely one of those things that I love to do in the theaters because you get that you get the tension of everybody and it feeds off of everyone and it makes the movie even better. Exactly. And see, and this is the thing, as I told someone, I said, you have to remember, this is an old game that goes back a long time. Now, a lot of people don't understand the basics of how these theaters work. They have to essentially negotiate a fee for the movie. Mm. And it's traditionally, I mean, we've got this straight from several theater chain owners. There's one here. We actually comes to some of the screeners. And he told us, like, for example, new Bond film, a new Star Wars, something like that. They have to cut a deal with the studio. And it's, you know, and he said, just to simplify it, it could be something like we need 80, the studio needs 80% of the ticket sales for the first week, 70 for the second week. And, you know, there's a sliding scale. So it's the longer it stays in the theaters, the more profitable it is for the cinema. But he said the trick is you have to negotiate terms because sometimes they'll come at you like with a Star Wars film and say, we need 90% of the revenue for the first three weeks. And then that's where you come up with, uh, you know, he actually had a film where, ironically, they had the press screening there, but they didn't show it because it was the watch <laughs> with um, the Fox film. They couldn't come to an agreement on how to split the oh, revenue. Wow. And so essentially it got to the point where they just said the studio's asking too much money. Our projections are this isn't worth it. We don't carry it. And see, people have said to me, well, what does it matter if they're upset with Universal? It doesn't matter. In the long run, they're going to run the movie. And I said, well, see, that's where the, that's where the big question is. Sure, they'll run the movie, but then you have the game of, no, we're not going to give you 80%. We're going to give you 60%. And if you don't like it, you don't get into our theater. And people say, well, you know, what's the matter? Oh, I said, yeah. if you're a major chain and you're looking at, two, you know, 1,500 screens, that is a big deal because they can't afford to have their film not on those 1,500 screens making revenue. Man. And that's where it gets to be. And, you know, it, it's such a weird thing. I mean, this battle has gone on since the beginning of television. You know, everybody mm -hmm. was scared yeah, of television. Totally. And then it's, well, we've got color TV. Color TV came out. Everyone panicked. Don't worry. We've got stereo and widescreen TV. Oh, cool. And then cable, same thing. Yeah. So we got the, you know, we got the urban films and the grittier things you couldn't see on TV. We got the new style 3D, uh, you know, and the digital projection. Then high def came along. And so, you know, now what are we saying? Oh, well, we've got 4D now and we've got uh, the D-Box <laughs> seats that vibrate and we've yep. got the wider seats that kick up with food service. And it's, it's a constant game because they're saying, do what you want. We're still going to give you the most unique experience. Yes. And that's where everyone's scared. Like you said, is this going to become the new normal where people are going to say, you know what? Nah, I'm I'm not going to go to the theater. I'm going to just sit at home and uh, watch it there. And are the studios going to say, you know what? Maybe we don't need to play around with the cinemas as much. Maybe we, you know, sure, we may not make as much, but we have greater control and let's just stick them there. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this goes and uh, we figure all of this out. I mean, with all of the big TVs that people can get now, I mean, we've talked about just how giant the TVs have been on the holiday gift guides and everything. So it'll be fun to see where we go. And I really hope that the cinema experience will still stay out there so everyone can get that communal feeling, you know, once it's safe to do so. 
show. Gareth, thank you so much. Again, Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed Interview. That is SKNR.net. Get news about all sorts of things, movies, television, comic books, toys, gadgets, so much more. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Again, thank you, Gareth. And it'll be interesting to see how the theaters deal with all of this and going on beyond all of that. Um, BJ, yes, you uh, have caught up and been keeping up with The Walking Dead. Oh, yes, I have been. I have not. You're a bad Walking Dead man. (sighs) I am. Like, it's kind of fallen off for me, and maybe at some point I'll go back and watch it right now. I'm not in 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 the right headspace to get into it. And so I haven't watched it since the... Uh, middle of the last season, which is still this Whoa. season, but the season, like, the Whisperer War was happening. Right. Um, and Negan had just left and broken out of jail. Yep. And uh, had met up with some of the people that he was going with, the guy who was, like, really, like, not right in the head, and he had to kill him because he killed the people he was with, and then he yeah. walked off on his own. That's where I left off at. So I know I'm missing a huge chunk of stuff, and they just had a recent episode that I thought was the last episode... But now it seems they're going to have to delay the actual finale. Yeah, the actual finale will not happen. Maybe later this year in a special presentation. It won't be like, oh, well, we'll have it as the beginning of the fall season of The Walking Dead, which will be the beginning of season 11. And it won't be at the end of this season, but it'll be a special episode that they will release because they've had to stop production and they haven't finished the season. So it's the wow. last episode. The last episode is the only one that apparently will be affected. Okay. But I can see why you thought the latest episode was indeed uh, the last episode because it, you know, we heard that, you know, Michelle, uh, I should say, Danelle Guerrera is gone. Yeah, Michonne is leaving the show. And, uh, you know, look, I'm here's what happens. If you leave that show and you're still alive, it's kind of tough to figure out how do you do that. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think they did a good job with Rick because he didn't know he left the, the show, if you will. <laughs> and and yeah. um, I will say this. Um, They've the way they did this is they hinted at the fact that okay you gave us a nice little tease in a way for her to leave the show, and there was a real touching uh, conversation between her and Judith, and it, it was it was pretty good. Also, uh, you know what happened to uh, Michonne, and uh, and there was a beautiful a beautiful scenario set up like what life could have been for Michonne had she met the wrong people. So that oh, gets explored. Interesting. I won't tell you how that gets explored, but she does have a great episode. I will say this is a great Michonne episode, and I will say that, um, you know, it's like, all right, this is how they're going to send her off. But I liked her. I like what she's going to be doing. I just thought the way they orchestrated it, I was like, I don't know. I oh, mean, okay. But, you know, but I mean, I'm not going to nitpick too much. I still think it was a great Michonne episode. Uh, and the spoiler, of course, is that, yeah, she's still alive. And they've, she now knows that Rick did not die where she thought he died. Ah, I won't say how. I'll let you find yeah, out how she yeah, knows this. Yeah. Um, but so she knows that Rick may be still alive, a.k.a. the brave man. Um, and that's the code name because they call uh, her, you know, uh, Michonne and Rick's child, the little dude. They call him Little Brave Man, named after his dad, the Brave Man. Oh. So Judith also knows that the Brave Man may still be alive. Interesting. So I, I you know, I like this episode. I also like the previous week's episode where we got to see uh, something epic happen, and uh, we got to see. Here's what we got to see that I won't spoil for you completely, Rev, but. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, Negan is involved in some situations, which you know about from the comic books. Exactly. And, you know, you don't know. Like, you don't know. How are they going to veer? Are they going to go and completely be with the comic books? Or is Negan going to be a jackhole? I'll be interested to uh, see how that goes out. Yeah, how, but, how it plays out. Here's what I'll tell you, though, is that they set Negan up that you just knew that he couldn't turn total jackhole. And you get to really see <laughs> how some people just can't forgive. Negan... Hard to believe, but in six years, Negan actually realizes he effed up. He's a strategist, and he realized he effed up. He thought his strategy was the best, and he wasn't. He was very close-minded to that. Oh, Negan He's, makes a pivot. Yeah, and well, now you get to see that Negan really thought that what he was doing mm-hmm. was such a great strategy that he totally didn't realize that Negan, you're being a complete less than human being when he had his whole. Wow. After six years, you see that he gets it. Also. Being around Judith has indeed had, because you realize they had their talks. Yeah. And that's, you know, Rick's little girl. They had an amazing effect on Negan. I think this is how Negan realized, okay, I had great strategy, but I totally lost ah, my humanity. Ah, you're getting me back in, man. Oh, dude. And I, here's right. the thing. All how right. about this? So Negan, and you're missing some great Negan interaction with some people that you'll be like, what? And I was so shocked at how Negan, apparently Negan has had a deal with... Okay. And yeah, don't say anything. Yes. All right, all right, He's had all a right. deal. All right. And you're like, when did that happen? Okay, don't say anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm back in. Oh, yeah. Don't worry oh, about it's it. It's so right. good. Oh, so, so good. So, <laughs> I, I, I... But the thing is, we're not going to get to see the finale. Oh, we'll get to someday. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from that, I know this is a very interesting thing for you, BJ, because you've been watching Picard, and as of this recording, you have not seen the season finale yet, so next week we will discuss this. I will promise you this. Huh. After this recording, uh-huh. I will make it so. See? Oh, nice. I love yeah. it. You like that? Yeah. 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 Um, and another thing also, um, maybe I'll get into it. Maybe I can discuss a little bit about this because CBS All Access has announced that they are making the entire first season of Picard free to non-subscribers of the streaming service. You can get th- you can get it free if you register and use the coupon code GIFT. Now, according to this site, uh, I went to boingboing.net. Boing, boing. Is, boing, boing. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably all up and up. And they're saying that the coupon code unlocks all of CBS All Access free for one month. I don't know for sure if this is the thing. So, you know, mm. take it as the word from boingboing.net. But that might be a possibility. But I know it's been confirmed that Picard does. And you do have to put in, like, credit card information and then put in the coupon code because you're still subscribing to it. And it's just one of those things. Hey, as soon as you subscribe to it and you get that free code and you get that, you can un- you know, unattach your 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 credit card to that, unsubscribe for that month, and you'll still have the month free. So you'll be fine with that. So everybody, go and catch up on Picard so we can all talk about it next week. And <laughs> if you finish Picard and you still want to see some more Patrick Stewart, you should follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Because you know what he's doing? What's mm. he doing? Uh, he's apparently been reading Shakespearean sonnets, and people have been loving it. Wow. But like yeah. with that voice, he could read like the back of like a macaroni and cheese box, and I'm going to be <laughs> enthralled. <laughs> Well, and that's, I mean, you know, being a British guy who came up through the ranks of all the Shakespearean training and everything, I mean, that's his bread and butter. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. That's what makes him such a great actor. And uh, I, I, Joey and I are sort of split on Picard, and I think it's because I'm an old person that, that really, appreciates a lot of the oldness of this show that, you know, when you're a young person, you haven't lived as much to understand what to appreciate from this. And I can't blame Joey. Uh, uh, So, but I I think for the most part, Joey's still invested in it. 
Well, I mean, there's only one episode left at this point. Yeah. I can't fail. You're not, not going to watch <laughs> it. That'd be great if you did. I will not I'm watch the, the episode. last episode. I am not going to see the conclusion of this whole story arc. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that. That's hilarious. Uh, I, I really, really enjoy this series. Uh, my wife, who is not a Star Trek fan, enjoys the series. So this could be something you could do with a partner in your life who you know is not a, a big Star Trek fan, but is aware of the characters. She is like so happy to see some of the old next gen cast who have showed up for cameos. And I'm like, wow, you didn't know how much you love these people. She goes, yes, I, I, I didn't know it either, but I'm so happy to see these people. <laughs> um, and I love the new cast. I, I really, really do. Let's just say if you're a fan of Orphan Black, uh, there is an, oh. there's some Orphan Black moments in this show that uh, really give a particular actor a chance to exercise their chops. And you, I mean, you and Vicky just sung the praises of that show mm-hmm. for so long. And the, and the reason we did, it's an okay storyline. It's a, it's a fine storyline. It's not, but it's nothing epic. What's the cool thing about Orphan Black is is Tatiana Maslany's performance of all mm-hmm. the different characters who are all her, but she really makes you think these are all different actors playing the role. Yeah. Exactly. Like, between the the inflections of the voice, the mannerisms, everything, down to the teeny tiniest detail, which <laughs> maybe I have to binge watch that again. Ooh, and, there you go. Yeah, and what do you have, five seasons of that. And Will Wheaton had brought this up to uh, the, the, the actor in question, saying, hey, you know what? You actually have to play multiple roles, and he brought up Orphan Black. Because basically that's the standard oh, that's been yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. You know, every person that decides to play more characters than than you know, different characters. You got to look at Tatiana. And go, was I as good as her? Because she Ooh, is. She's yeah. the she's the standard. Man. I know she beat out Eddie Murphy. You know, from the Clumps and a Nutty oh, Professor, okay, okay, and Coming okay, to America. Vicky. Simmer down on that one. Even That's yeah, teasing. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Although Coming to America is a good movie. It is. She beat it out is. Lindsay Lohan having to play. You know, because okay. she played the Parent All Trap. Right. I'm just saying. time to move on. No, and uh, sure. well, Vicky, yeah. since you're here, it's time for the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Well, Vicky, um. Uh, movie, hmm. movie, movies? We're going to have something while we're all sheltering in place. I guess, yeah, movies in the house because you can't go to the cinemas. House no, yeah. <laughs> cinemas are all closed at the moment, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes does instead have a, a bunch of lists uh, the movies you can watch, actually, a lot of suggestions. I, I'm going to just kind of go over them, but I also have uh, fun movies that we can also stream to kind of give us a laugh. Oh, nice. Uh, but right now, the top streaming movies that would kind of be in like the the nerdy category, if you will, uh, 78% with 78%, I mean, uh, Rotten Tomato score, Birds of Prey. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Maybe I'll finally uh, watch it. I think it. that's an on-demandy situation right now, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of these movies are being like shown early. There's many different ways to get it, mm-hmm. um, as well as Doolittle, which didn't I don't think do that it, great. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it, getting it's little. Sh- <laughs> it did, it <laughs> did little. <laughs> uh, but I'm guessing it's one of those, like, here's a movie the kids haven't seen a million times. Let me put this one on. That one did get 14%, Ooh. but here's the thing. It had... 211 people review it, like the tomato meter, but they had verified ratings was over 11,000, and it's got 76%. Really? Wow, okay. By the viewers. So, yeah, the viewers maybe. They liked it? Maybe, yeah. yeah people, and wow. it's got a crap ton more people oh. talking about see it. See that? When you have, see such a disparity in Rotten Tomatoes between the users and the critics, that makes me think the critics might have just not gotten it. Yeah, exactly. They just yeah. don't get it. I feel like a lot of these movies are for kids, and a lot of these critics are just like, oh, a kid's movie. Hmm, my <laughs> intellectual brain cannot understand this lowbrow comedy. Well, that that is a problem when you can't put your you can't put yourself through the eyes of a six or seven or eight-year-old. That's been the problem with... Uh, uh, you know, Lucas's version of Star Wars, he said, I don't care what you people think. I'm writing this for a 10-year-old. And, you know, if you think about that, you go, okay, you know what? Episodes one, two, and three, if I was a 10-year-old, I probably would love them. 
You know, and so I, yeah. I, give, I give him credit for that because you don't care about dialogue. You don't really care about plot. <laughs> you just go, oh, my God, all that cool stuff at Jar Jar at 10 years old. Come on. And, and that's what <laughs> Lucas Jar-Jar. says. And, Dang gr- it. and great special effects. And what I, here's what, what I challenge anybody who's a critic to go do. You, I'm it, ready for your challenge. <laughs> if you have to go watch a kid's movie, you have to go watch it with a kid. Oh, that's because be tough. I know you gotta find a kid. Get a grandkid. Uh, is, that, is kidnapping still a thing? Oh, jeez. Wow. No, just take Vicky. I mean, it is close kid. enough. Or right. just go to like you know <laughs> time where you think most people like. And this is like when obviously theaters are open again. Yeah. Yes, of course. Or you know, borrow your niece and nephew, watch it at home. You you experience movies very differently when you oh, watch when they it with start the kids. cracking up at things that you wouldn't even think is funny. Exactly, yeah. and then it just it, the yeah. whole mood changes. Oh yeah, because you see them. There's nothing really cooler than seeing a kid having a great time. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it is infectious. You're just like, oh my god, this kid is really loving this, and I'm loving that they're loving this. And next thing you know, I'm loving it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, apparently, Bloodshot is also on. It's another another situation. Yeah. Thirty percent on the tomato meter. This is what I heard. One hundred and thirty-two people uh, rated the tomato meter, but it has over you know one thousand four hundred viewers. Viewers at seventy-eight percent. What? Huh? I'm thinking this might have just the, the Fast and the Furious effect. People it's love just, Vin Diesel. They love the action. Again, it's that's just, such a disparity. And it's such it, it's a comic book movie, but it is really obscure. So most people might not even realize that it's a comic book movie. I heard movie. it's a great graphic novel, which it, is it's why. It's all right, yeah. Oh, it's all right? I haven't read it. But well, yeah. I mean, I read it back in the 90s. So, I mean, take that for as a grain of salt. I wonder if this quarantine is just making everyone a lot happier to do something other than nothing. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like, like ah, movie. I'm really happy for a movie. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, check out Ron Tomatoes because they also have like classics to stream right now. Like, you know, got Jurassic Park, yep. Rear Window. Oh, that's the old Alfred Hitchcock thriller. Right. Okay, Princess Bride, you know, oh, The Thing. Yeah, Princess Bride is awesome. Terminator, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh. Terminator, Edward Scissorhands? Yes. That's a mashup. <laughs> I'll be back. But they also no, have a <laughs> list of uh, new TV for tonight, like most popular TV right now, uh, like Westworld, Tiger King, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's been kind of a trying time. I feel like everybody has been super stressed out. Yes, they have. So we, we need a, we need to entertain ourselves with happy movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I haven't watched The Joker yet, because... Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're going to have to wait on The Joker if you really... There's might, a lot of stuff yeah, that I've just been waiting wait because on. I'm not quite there yeah. in my mindset. It's not a happy movie. It's a great movie, and I think it really can tell you a great story about mental health and behavioral science. I just don't think this is the time. Yeah. No, here's what you need to do. You need to go home, hunker down with your snacks... Snacks! With, uh, you know, the people you love at a social acceptable distance. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> unless, unless you've already pretty much realized that you're both cool. You're both either yeah, cool or contaminated yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, first one being Groundhog Day on Netflix. Oh, oh that's man. A, I didn't realize it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a fun blast from the past. Yeah. Especially uh, when, when they did the redo commercial for the Super Bowl. With oh, Murray. that yeah. was brilliant. <laughs> uh, actually, I think uh, off, uh, off air, off of this podcast, I should say, this got brought up. Monty Python. Yes. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is also on Netflix right now. Ooh. Yeah, that you know what's been a while, boy. That would bring see because nostalgia is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, look if you've never seen the movie and you are a millennial or Gen Z, you might be shaking your head, going, "Okay, boomer, what do you want me to watch this for?" But <laughs> I was, re- I really loved like all the jokes because that was really, really popular oh, when I was in that. high school. However, because it was a long movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably you know long for a comedy, maybe, yeah. and long for the time. 
because I remember watching it when like I was like 16, 17, and I've never seen the whole thing. Can't oh, believe it's well, more than two hours, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it's that long. And maybe just your uh, it's not you Avengers know, length attention no. uh, deficit on that and no, it's, doing it's a million things. British humor as well. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, sometimes that will fall flat. Yeah, like I liked I it, it, and then it just. Oh, <laughs> I can't get enough. If you're a Monty Python fan, which they were the comedy group of my generation. Was it 60s? Uh, 70s? They started in the late 60s, but in the 70s is when all of them, they yeah, started catching on. Flying we circus, watched them Life on, of Brian. Yeah, we watched, the, we watched them on public television. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. there was nudity and some bad words. And of course, when you're growing up as yep. a young American in the 70s, you're like, Whoa, oh my. what? Yeah. This is on PBS usually is boring stuff, but this is awesome. <laughs> Uh, another one that's in the kind of nerd uh, variety. We do have Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Just watched this the last weekend. It's and one of it, oh, dude, it's, his, it's still like good. his favorite movie. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. It puts it me. Back. It puts me into a happy place. Yeah, and it's one of those where if it's, you love. If you love tight storytelling, if you love like the 90s and the 2000s video game nostalgia, it hits all of those. And, and I'm getting goosebumps right now because uh, I just love it so Edgar much. And Edgar Wright, uh, which is mm-hmm. why I can't believe that he had problems with Marvel, because how do you argue with Edgar Wright? Everything he does is just so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 and, and he proved it with, of course, Baby Driver. So you wondered afterwards, like, well, maybe Edgar's lost it a little bit. But after that you know, snafu with Ant-Man and everything, yeah. guess what? He went and did Baby Driver, which was a massive Which is another hit. good movie, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so He's so good, Edgar Wright. Okay, so this one confuses me a little bit, but let me see what you guys think. Ooh, I got a suggestion, but after you do this, because it just All came right. up in my brain. Uh, which, by the way, that's also Netflix. Uh, the one I'm talking about is on Amazon Prime. The Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. yeah that's because it's a, it's a horror movie, it's isn't it? It's a fun it? movie. It's sort of horror. I mean, I would imagine more like horror comedy. Okay. It's like, it would be like office space it's because like, of those yeah. those interspersed things where it's, they're just trying to do their stuff. It's office space starring Thor in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's solid, and I think it's entertaining on that end. Yes, scary. Like in terms of like monsters, yeah. So people will be freaked out. Younger kids, Vicky's will yes. be kind of uh, oh, yeah. put off by it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this one I've never seen before. I've been wanting to watch it. It looks interesting, and I think it had some sort of geek element to it, but the description doesn't really have it. It's uh, Sorry to Bother You. Oh, I yeah. don't know this one. This was a weird one that is... It, it, it's it, on Hulu, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's a sci-fi comedy, but it's kind of one of those set in place and kind of dealing in the guy's mind. I'm not giving it oh. a, a good description. Is it good? It's Yes, but it's out there. Okay, good out and there sometimes. Just, it just gets weird, and it's so hard to describe, but I've heard nothing but positive things about it. So this is one of those ones I'm going to check out as well. I didn't even realize that it was on Hulu. Uh, apparently, like just IMDb, and it doesn't sound nerdy from this, but I know there's some nerdy elements to it. In an uh, alternative... Alternative. You did it. Present day version of Oakland. Telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a universe of greed. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So it talks about capital excess, and uh, it is. It's got sci-fi elements to it. Okay. And a lot of great actors. We got mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson. She's good. Terry Crews. He's good. Danny Glover. He's really good. <laughs> Army Hammer. Oh, David Army. Cross. He's the Social Network guy, and he's Lone Ranger. Stephen Yoon. <laughs> Yep. Yes, I said it right. Uh, Patton Oswalt. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Wow. Yeah, that's that's an all-star cast. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. 
There's um, some good ones on there. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is also on here. Disney Plus. Yes, recently watched that. Yeah. Still great. Also, oh, yeah. on Disney Plus, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Again, seen that one recently. Still great. Okay. I was like, when I first got the Disney Plus uh, okay, app, yeah. I went, went and I, 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 yeah, I did go down to a time. lot of them. Oh, yeah. But I want to know from you guys, what movies are making you happy right now? What shows are making you happy? Oh, from them guys, because I say I have run out of time. I can't tell I you. Know. Oh, you, you mean them guys? Yeah, send us messages. We got oh. you. Oh. Hey, them guys. Until next time, guys, stay nerdy. Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club.